Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. May I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, church. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. (laughs) But what happens if you struggle to respond with that Uh, greeting? What happens if you have doubts? If that's the place you're in this morning, then you're in really good company. The focus of this morning's uh, Bible reading that we last heard in the Gospel of John is on one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 of Jesus' closest friends and followers. He doesn't get mentioned very often in the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, or Luke. It's in John's Gospel that we hear the most about Thomas. And he crops up twice before in John's Gospel, before we get to our passage. Firstly, in chapter 11, verse 16, when Jesus has delayed going to visit his sick friend Lazarus, who has now died, in order that his disciples may believe. Yet his disciples are afraid of going to visit Lazarus because that hometown Um, in that region had been where there were many people who wanted to stone Jesus. And so his disciples, understandably, are like, why on earth would you want to go back there? The last time we were there, people tried to kill you. But it is Thomas who shows a lack of fear and says to the other disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then we meet Thomas again in John chapter 14, verse 5, on the first Maunday Thursday, when Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples that he's going to be betrayed and he is going to die. Two disciples ask the same question and get different responses. Peter asks, Lord, where are you going? And says that he will lay down his life to follow Jesus. Yet Jesus warns him that he will deny him that very evening. Thomas asks, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And he is given the response, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also from now on. You do know him and have seen him. Philip then says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied, showing that the disciples still haven't really grasped what Jesus is trying to say. But I think those occasions that I've just mentioned help to put our gospel reading into context. They give us a more balanced picture of Thomas. We have all, I suspected, heard the phrase, doubting Thomas, or don't be a doubting Thomas. And the dictionary defines a doubting Thomas as a person who is skeptical 
and refuses to believe something without proof. And I think it would be fair to say that this term is used negatively. It's uh, something uh, to be disapproved, uh, disapproved of, certainly not something to aspire to. Doubt, it would seem, is not a good quality to possess or to acquire. And uh, it may be no surprise to you that this term, doubting Thomas, uh, can give its origins back to this gospel reading. Jesus' friend and follower Thomas has forever been branded doubting Thomas. But is this title justified? And should we see Thomas's, Thomas as unbelieving because he demanded to see as the other disciples had seen the risen Christ and to be able to touch the wounds on Jesus's body? I prefer to call Thomas tactile Thomas. And maybe that's something we can relate to all the more of what we have gone through over this last two and a bit years where we have been in forced social distancing, not been able to touch and see. Interestingly, it is the Church of India who claim their um, kind of origins back to uh, the Apostle Thomas coming and bringing, first bringing the gospel over to India. And it was the Indian Anglican Church, who first brought a sharing of the sign of the peace back into um, Anglican worship. And as you might remember prior to lockdown, that was a physical act of sharing the peace. And that was in the 1950s. But right back, just after Jesus was risen, the early church almost unanimously recognized Thomas must have responded to Jesus' invitation to touch. So I like the term tactile Thomas. In the opening verses of our passage this morning, we hear that Thomas isn't asking for anything more than the other disciples had experienced. Maybe he had FOMO. On the evening of that first day of the week, that is Easter Sunday, we read, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And that word, that idea of seeing, has connections and connotations, not just to um, limited to the sense of sight, but actually we often see through touch as well. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. So one Sunday after the first Easter Sunday, if you like, that's what we are uh, in our calendar today, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came, as he had previously, and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. The image on the screen 
is Caravaggio's painting, which shows Thomas's encounter with the risen Jesus. And I personally find this image quite hard to look at because I'm squeamish. <laughs> but I think it actually shows us something quite important. Here, Caravaggio portrays Jesus actually guiding Thomas's finger into the spear wound on his side. It almost seems as though Jesus is insisting upon it and Thomas is looking away. He already believes now. He's seen enough. He doesn't need any more proof. Thomas's over-enthusiastic, go-the-extra-mile mentality that we hear coming through in his demand that unless he puts his hands through the nail marks in Jesus's hands and plunge his hand into Jesus's side, he wouldn't be satisfied, has been blown out of the water by Jesus walking through a locked door into the room where he is and directly addressing him and meeting his demands head on. Jesus seems to say, Go ahead, Thomas. I really did die a week ago, but I really did rise again. I know you missed out last week on seeing me, but that's not a bad thing because this meeting will go down in history. You, Thomas, are going to exclaim the strongest statement of personal belief found in all the Gospels. And you know what, Thomas? Although you've seen me and that's helped you to believe, there are going to be followers of me, those who come after you, and they mostly won't get the chance to see me, but they will still be blessed because they have believed even though they haven't seen me. And Thomas, you are going to become the mascot of all those who struggle with wanting to see me in order to believe. And your legacy will give them hope that doubt can lead to a greater and more confident faith in me. I want to share for a moment some of my own story with you. My experience of doubt came at a huge time of transition and loss for me. About 11 years ago, I had just come through a serious illness during which I had experienced a closeness to God that I had never experienced before. And I'd also at the same time received a call to ordained ministry during my illness. And I was exploring that through the Church of England's official discernment process. But upon recovering from my illness, doubts and questions I had never thought about before started to surface. As I really started to take my call seriously, I started to doubt the basis of my faith. Why did I believe what I did? Was there even a God? How could I know that the Bible was true? For me, exploring my call and a period of prolonged doubting and skepticism went hand in hand. I felt like I was a fraud, like I was kind of operating in two realms of reality. I was involved in volunteering with a Christian organization that works with university students. 
And then following that, I worked for a year for a church. During all this time, I was struggling with whether I even believed what I was living out. I didn't want to be having these questions, but I couldn't, do, I couldn't pretend that they weren't there. And what really brought all of these doubts to a head for me was when my gran died. For me, doubt hit me like a lead ton of bricks. I felt that I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I was also simultaneously exploring ordination and involved in uh, paid ministry in the church. But inside, the doubt was festering. I didn't want to doubt. I didn't want to be having these questions, but I couldn't seem to stop them coming. And it was an incredibly painful time for me. And that period of intense doubting lasted the best part of two years. I can't pinpoint the exact moment when the doubt subsided and faith triumphed. And I wouldn't say that I don't ever get times now when I don't still doubt or question elements of my faith. But what I have learned through my experience is that God can handle our questions more than that. He actually wants us to ask questions. As Madeline, not going to pronounce her surname right, Leungel said, those who believe they believe in God, but without passion in the heart, without anguish of mind, without uncertainty, without doubt, and even at times without despair, believe only in the idea of God and not in God himself. When I look back on that painful time, I'm really thankful that I had that experience of doubting. Before that, I hadn't ever really questioned what I believed. I'd grown up in a Christian home and I'd put my faith in Christ aged three. Personality-wise, I'm prone to worry and doubt and question things in life generally. So I think there were questions that I'd had for a long time, but I'd not wanted to ask for fear that my faith might not stand up to interrogation. But now that I have interrogated my faith like Thomas did, I don't feel afraid anymore of doubt, of asking questions. And my faith and trust in the resurrected Jesus is so much stronger than before I had this experience of doubt. Doubt, when we give it to God, even if we aren't sure whether we believe he exists in that moment in time, can lead us towards a greater and deeper faith and the ability to exclaim with Thomas, my Lord and my God. So I wonder, what do we think of Thomas? Do we think his title as Doubting Thomas is justified? I do, but I don't think we should understand it as a negative title. Thomas's questions and stubbornness to not be content with a faith that wasn't built on seeing Jesus as the other disciples had led him into a deeper relationship with Jesus. 
two things I want to mention about doubt. Firstly, if you're like me, personality-wise, and you're prone to worry whether you turn the iron off or lock the windows when you left the house, you are probably more susceptible to doubts than those of a different personality. Secondly, certain seasons of life can make us more prone to doubt. Times of loss, grief, and uncertainty. So what should we do with our doubts? I'd suggest and encourage you not to be afraid of them. Or try and ignore them. In all likelihood, they're not going anywhere. Instead, I'd suggest we give those doubts and questions to God. Seeking answers through prayer. He can handle it. He won't look on us disapprovingly, but lovingly guide our hands into his wounds, drawing us towards a deeper faith. And let's not be afraid to ask our brothers and sisters in Christ to support us with prayer during our times of questioning when we might struggle to pray ourselves. And let us not lose hope, but draw encouragement from Thomas and the many, many Christians over the last 2,000 plus years who have wrestled with doubts and questions we might even seek out reading some of their stories. We aren't alone in this. And if we happen to be in a place right now where we're feeling secure in our faith, let's not judge disapprovingly our brothers or sisters who bravely tell us their struggles and doubts, but let's commit them to God and support them during their questioning, trusting that God can lead them through this wilderness to an even greater faith and trust in God, to Thomas's declaration of, my Lord and my God. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.